number seven, Stan Phillips. Happy Monday, Met fans. Wasn't it good to put on SNY at 1 o'clock today and watch our beloved Metropolitans? The result wasn't the one we were hoping for, but it's still good to hear Gary, Ron, and Keith. At the top of their game, Keith was fantastic, by the way. Even Gary Cohen said that. He was sharp. But uh, it was just so fun. It was so good and uh now there's an extra bounce to my step now that I know Met Baseball is back. And uh, I was out there. I had my scorecard out on keeping score. And I know if Keith was keeping score, it must have been driving him batty. But when they start making all those substitutions, both teams after the third time threw the lineup, it seems. Well, that's what the Mets were doing. The uh, cards were doing it a bit earlier. They were doing it, uh, some guys after... Two at-bats, three at-bats, and all the pitching changes that were there. But you know what? It's baseball, and I was loving it. Now, like I said, the outcome wasn't what we had hoped. Uh, it was David Peterson's first spring start, and he didn't fare too well. He got started in this one. It wasn't the best of his outings to start off his new campaign. And he's really looking forward to a big bounce-back year. But again, it's only his first outing of the year. But he got tattooed. Uh, he did well to strike out Nolan Arenado runs on first and third with one out in the first inning. However, Dylan Carlson, he mashed a three-run homer on the next at-bat to give the Cards an early lead, 3 nothing lead, and the Mets never really recovered from that. And uh, I think even uh, the announcers were saying that had to be at least 450 feet, that home run. And then Paul Schmidt, he added a homer in the third. But uh, Peterson did strike out one, and he also walked one. But you could see the cards year in, year out. And an amazing stat that they threw at us during the broadcast is cards have made the playoffs, what, 21 out of the last 22 seasons? And that's incredible. That really is incredible. They, for some, the Cardinal way, they put out winning ball clubs all the time. And just watching, like, Paul Goldschmidt up at the plate, so disciplined. He either gets a walk or he smashes the home run. And defensively, they had five Golden Glove outfielders last year. So there's a lot of good talent in National League this year. And the Cardinals are going to be one of those teams that are going to be talented this year. And we'll be seeing them during the course of the year. Uh, the Mets did get on board in the bottom of the second inning thanks to a couple of pokes off the bat from Mark Conha and James McCann. It was the way that drove in Pete Alonso. But Conha set it up with a bloop single to center in, in the uh, inning that scored the run. And he placed the ball very well. And I'm hearing nothing but praise about Kanha, how like he is like one of the ultimate team players. And it seems like all the guys that the Mets acquired all, during the offseason are not only solid ball players, they're good fundamentally and they're good people in general. I mean, look at Max Scherzer, the way he led the troops during the negotiations. And then after Peterson, uh, my favorite, Tyler McGill, I just think he needs proper coaching, and this kid has stuff, and he is huge. I, you know, I, again, I forget which announcer said it, but I think Ron Darling or maybe uh, Gary was saying 
He looks like a young Frank Howard. He's like 6'7". And I didn't even realize how big he was last year until they mentioned that on the broadcast today. And he had the exact opposite outing as Peterson. He was solid through three innings, and he allowed two hits and three walks, but he did not give up a run. He also struck out three. And the prospects got back the Mets back in this one. First, Daniel Palka almost tied the game in the bottom of seven. He really hit the ball. And that ball would have been out of there if it wasn't for the wind blowing in. He had a two-run double to make it 4-3. to three. And I didn't even realize Palka is a veteran. What he, now, I didn't look this up. This is what I remember from the broadcast. He had 28 homers one year with the White Sox. Is that correct? In 2018. And then he went to um, the KBO. And for some reason, I don't remember seeing him last year on any of those telecasts. But then again, they were coming on like 3 in the morning. And I was probably still half asleep. And then Mark Vientos hit a solid single up the middle in the eighth to make it 5-4. That's the first time I really saw Mark Vientos either. It was a good scene. We saw Vientos. We saw Batty. We saw uh, Mauricio. Uh, we saw all the big guns that are on the Met horizon. And Vientos hit a solid single up the middle to make it 5-4. And he's a big dude, too. I didn't realize how big he was. And Mauricio put on like 30 pounds, I think, during the offseason. He really bulked up. And uh, they mentioned on the broadcast that if he actually continues to bulk up with his frame, he could be a power header. So a lot on the horizon. I'm glad they didn't trade any of these guys, to be honest with you. Uh, Miguel Castro had a good seventh inning, but Sean Reed Foley and John Zingi both allowed a run the eighth and ninth inning, respectively. And just when the Mets were knocking on the door, the uh, cards were chipping back and getting the lead, uh, putting some insurance runs in there. Now, the unfortunate thing is, and again, it's early in the season here, preseason, top of the order, one through four, couldn't get a hit on the day. They went 0 for 11 between them, uh, Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, and Alonzo. But, yeah, what are you going to do? It's only an exhibition game, right, folks? Now, I was making notes throughout the whole thing, and uh, I don't know if you saw the hats the Mets are wearing, those spring training hats. has, like... Uh, darkish aqua blue NY logo looks pretty sharp but then I realized that the back of the hat is mesh I was actually going to buy one now I'm not sure what should I do folks should I buy it or not uh it looks so good but I'm not a big fan of the mesh back half of the hat so decisions decisions but I did like the design I mean for an exhibition wearing it in preseason it looked pretty sharp I'm not sure if you want it as part of the uh entourage of the uniforms once it all starts uh but it did look good that deeper blue in the new york logo and we know that Marte, starring Marte, didn't play today uh it's going to be interesting as spring training develops who is going to play center field my gut reaction it's going to be Marte. they'll move nimmo to left and they'll move conha to right field uh and one thing i was pleased about and i don't know how you guys feel about it we're seeing mcneil in the three spot uh, I think the Mets have confidence that he's going to bounce back and they're going to let him uh, take charge with the bat and maybe the preseason and they're going to see how he can do with all this. Uh, maybe it is a test, but I just like him seen in a third spot. Another good point, again, when you watch a Met broadcast, you learn so much. Uh, they were saying that the third spot isn't necessarily the most productive spot in the lineup. It's now considered uh, a notch below number two and number four. Those are your most productive uh, spots in the lineup, and that's where you want to have the best hitters in your lineup. So today they had, uh, of course, 
Pete Alonzo. Uh, he was batting uh, fourth and Lindor batting second. So I'm not going to argue with either of those choices. And Alonzo was the only one who really held his weight last year. So uh, Francisco can avoid that horrible two-month start he had last year, this year. We should be in good shape. And like I said, all these teams in the division are adding players. Now, the Phillies uh, have a great lineup. If you look at their lineup, one through nine, they're really, really good. But the only good players that they have defensively are Harper and Ramoto. So I'm not worried about them defensively. Sometimes you give up more runs defensively than you can get offensively with the big bats in the lineup. So the Phillies still don't concern me. But when the bats are hot, they can carry a team. So you just don't want to run into them when they're getting real hot. And you know we have the better pitching staff. And the one thing I, I, I didn't realize through all this is the Mets have a nine-person coaching staff. Oh, my God. I remember when I was a kid, you had like four or five. You had the pitching coach, the bullpen coach, the first base coach, the third base coach, and the manager was the manager. Now you have the bench coach, and who knows who else all these other coaches are. Uh, but nine, they showed up on the screen today. I said, oh, my Lord. And the one thing, again, I'm praising the uh, Gary, Ron, and Keith, but the one thing I'm noticing is Steve Gelbs really feels at home in the broadcast. Now, granted, I had my doubts about him his first couple years. I was a big Kevin Burkhart fan. And look how Kevin Burkhart has prospered. He is now probably going to be the number one NFL voice on uh, Fox, and congrats. Always a big fan of him. He... He was the one, I think, one of the innovators of like the uh, in the stands roving reporters. He made it a whole new different job. And Steve Gelbs has that dry sense of humor, and he's a good sport. And he's really good. The interview he had with Showalter really brought out Buck's personality. And Buck has a great personality. Uh, watching him on MLB Network the last couple years uh, was very entertaining. And it seems like when he's serious, he's serious. And the players do get his attention. I mean, the, the, Showalter gets the players' attention. So he's a great communicator, uh, doesn't take things too seriously. And I think he's good analyzing both analytics and gut feel. So I'm looking forward to big, big things from him. Now, defensively, there were two fielding gems in the game uh, for you folks who didn't see the game. It was almost like watching Ron Swoboda again in the uh, outfield when Jankowski made that diving catch, you could have sworn it was Ron Soboda, a repeat of Ron Soboda in the World Series, the way he dove for that ball. And it was fantastic. And Francisco Lindor, he handled such a hot hop. I mean, it was pure reflex action. You very rarely see these. He got a 6-4-5 double play. He got the runner coming from first, and then they threw the third to get the runner from third, who uh, should have been off and running. Just bad base running on his part. But nonetheless, a fantastic play by Francisco. And again, even when Francisco doesn't hit, his defense really does help. And uh, he did it again today. Uh, and like I said, McGill pitching really caught my eye. He is going to get in shape. He's got that heavy ball. And he give him time. I'm telling you, he's going to be with us for a while. Uh like I said, and he makes the Mets staff that much better. Just like Francisco Lindor makes the Met defense so much better.
But speaking of defense, that Cardinal lineup last year had five gold glove winners in it. Unbelievable. But anyway, it was good to see, like I said, the prospects come in. Uh, Mauricio, Khalil, he got a little playing time. Uh, who else was in there? Blankenhorn came in. Uh, so we saw like a lot of future. Khalil Lee is a very highly. We saw him last year. An interesting stat that they threw out about Khalil was he's, his first major league at bats. He broke a record. He struck out struck out eight consecutive times. Oh my! Uh, Blair Beatty, uh, he made a pretty good defensive play in foul territory to snag a foul ball, and uh, unfortunately, the big guns that we're hoping for uh, Lee and Batty. Uh, could have brought the Mets back in a ball game, actually. He was first and second with one out, and then Beatty flew out the third base, and then Lee hit a pretty sharp, hard, a hard hit ball to third base that uh, was taken by the first baseman. He just ended the inning there by running to the bag. Uh, not really much offense on the Mets' part, nothing much going on. Uh, Viento did get that hard hit single. That was a nice hit on his part. And, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, McCann got a nice hit. They were talking, it was funny. They were talking about McCann, uh, how he forgot his ways about hitting the ball to the right field. And sure enough, in the second inning, he stroked an RBI single the right field going with the pitch. So that was very encouraging to see. So once again, we lost the game, but it was entertaining. We got to see a lot of the Mets. And like I said, it's a good chance to see some of the younger players the first few exhibition games of the year. Mad Max goes tomorrow. I know it's not being televised. It's a road game, and the Mets don't even bring their crew on the road anymore. I know they did Saturday, but the radio crew won't be there tomorrow. But I think it's on 940 on Miami uh, radio. So if you want to check that out tomorrow, you know, tune into 940 on your uh, AM dial on your internet. Yeah, your internet. Your, your internet specifically. And if you have Sirius, I think they may be carrying it. If you have Sirius with the baseball package added on, uh, MLB Network, they'll have the game on, I think, too. And I was talking about Francisco Lindor and the play he made. And Buck Showalter, after the game, came out and said that the Mets are pretty spoiled having Lindor at shortstop. We don't realize how we, good we have it. He says we get spoiled sometimes. And uh, Showalter was telling Lindor today that he made four plays. They were really hard plays that kind of got snubbed because it's him. We just take him for granted. But none was more impressive than, like I said, the one he made in the fifth inning with no outs and runners on first and second. Arenado cracked a 103.6-mile-an-hour line drive to Lindor's right, which he slid over to snag on one hop for smoothly spinning around to throw to second base, starting a 6-4-5 double play. Even Showalter said, I was kidding him. So if we go to third base initially, think we got a triple play? He said no, because Escobar was off the bag. By the time I threw it to second, he was able to get to third. Showalter then said he said back to Lindor, okay, I'll shut up now. So you, need, you see Francisco has those baseball instincts. You know, he may be the smiling guy and all that, but he knows what he's doing on that ball field. Now, Lindor's first season in Queens was largely disappointing from an offensive standpoint. But again, his defense did not fall off because of it. He registered 20 outs above average, according to baseball savant, which was the second most mark of any shortstop in the majors. And during the offseason, Showalter spoke to Lindor's former manager in Cleveland, Terry Francona, who raved about the defense that Showalter saw for himself on Sunday. 
It was the second time in his many Grapefruit Week games that Showalter came while he was pressed by the shortstop. On Saturday night, it was Louis Guillaume manning position, among other plays, executing a perfect relay from the outfield to throw a runner out at third. Uh, and this is what Showalter said about Guillaume. He's got great hands. We don't have someone that can do what he does. He's an irregular regular. He's a guy that's going to play a big role if we're successful this year. Now, team defense, and this is what I love about Buck, has been an early point of emphasis. He led a fast-paced drill Sunday morning, running his infield through various game scenarios. And we saw them with the rundowns. They showed a little bit of it on the broadcast. So that was very encouraging to see. And both Buck Showalter's philosophy is you're rehearsing for a Broadway play. Down here, that's what it is. Rehearsal for things that are going to come to you up there. And I love that fact that Buck is making sure that they're well oiled before they come up north. Now, we were talking about Tyler McGillan. He unleashed his newest pitch on three occasions Sunday. And though he was not really happy with the results, he took comfort in that he will have additional chances to spring the work on it. And what's that pitch, you ask? Well, the pitch is a cutter, which darts in against left-handed batters. Now, the Met right-hander began dabbling with the cutter during the offseason with the idea it would give lefty batters another factor to consider before extending over the plate against his tailing four-seam fastball. Now, McGill definitely wanted to add another weapon. Uh, he sat in the 95 to 97 mile per hour range with his fastball for disappearance, in which he allowed two hits and struck out three with three walks. He still has to learn to harness his control a little bit. Uh, but I think that's going to come with experience. As a rookie last year, the 26-year-old helped stabilize rotation, desperate for arms. McGill was strong for two months before a late-season dive, and that may have attributed to pitching by far his most innings in a season in his career. And that kind of sabotaged his numbers a little. He finished with a 4-6 record with a 4.52 ERA and 18 starts. He pitched 130 innings combined in the minor leagues and the major leagues. His previous high was 71 and two-third innings in 2019. Now, he averaged 94.6 miles per hour last season with his fastball, according to StatCast. With his slider and changeup, the other two pitches he prominently displayed. So... The Mets have a full veteran rotation. And if all are healthy, what's Showalter going to do? Uh, they keep monitoring Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco, both of whom are returning from offseason surgery and may need additional time. So McGill and Peterson are basically among the pitchers who serve as rotation insurance. Me personally, I like McGill better. Like I said, Peterson pitched reading sun Sunday and allowed four home runs and two tape measure home runs by Carson and Schmidt, Goldschmidt. And the Mets begin the season with all five starters healthy. McGill and Peterson could be considered for the bullpen, but are more likely to start for AAA Syracuse. Uh, now, McGill says it lingers in the back of his head, but he can't let that get to him. At the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of pitching. There's going to be a lot of need for arms. So whenever my name is called up, I'm going to be ready and just keep working. And he has quickly impressed Showalter. Showalter said, I like the presentation, the whole body language. I've got a lot of people telling me about him. They have more experience with him, and I learn on that. But he's pretty athletic for a big guy. I'd be pretty picky not to say that's what they look like. Part of the thrill for McGill has been connecting with his boyhood hero, Max Scherzer, whom the Mets signed this offseason. The two pitchers were playing catch earlier this week when the reality hit McGill. McGill said, 
I was like a fanboying it a little bit. It's fun to watch somebody who grew up in middle school and high school all the way until now, and now he's on the same team. It's incredible. I've chatted with him a couple of times, so I take to heart what he says to me. At the end of the day, I'm trying to get better, and he's trying to help other people get better. Now, McGill's approach in a clubhouse includes another multiple Cy Young Award winner in Jacob DeGrom. And uh, he listens more than he speaks. He's just taking in the knowledge, and they have, and they both chat to him, both Scherzer and DeGrom. And uh, McGill's not trying to overstep boundaries. He just stands by, and if he has questions, he tries not to be too much in their space. But tell you what, be in their space once in a while. Those guys could tell you a lot. Now we have some Met birthdays to celebrate today. You want to know whose birthday it is today? We're four. We're going to say happy birthday to. Uh, first one is Sean Dunstan. Second one is Tommy Davis. Third one is Carlos Carrasco. And the fourth one is Bobby Wall. And we have one transaction report on today on this date in Met history. And on this date in 2000, was it 11, I believe? Yes, 2011. Uh, the Mets released Oliver Perez. Yes, the Oliver Perez era was over, and uh, Mets released him. But he's still kicking around. I think this is his last year. He's going to pitch in the Mexican League, and uh, he is—he was until he no longer uh, is on a major league roster. He was the last active Met from the 2006 team in the uh, major leagues. So. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since we had Ali on the team, hasn't it? Let's talk a little bit about Shawan Dunstan, shall we? Shawan was one of the top prospects in baseball. Uh, actually, when he was drafted in uh, 19, was it 82, I believe, he was the first overall pick in the draft, and he played for the Cubs from 85 to 95. And what a howitzer of an arm he had. Oh, my goodness. He could throw the ball like a bullet. And he was the first person. He came from Thomas Jefferson High School in New York City. And he was the first person from the New York area to be chosen with the number one over, overall pick. And uh, he opted to represent himself. That is so weird. that you. But he signed for 100000 was signed to the Cubs rookie minor league level. And then uh, before you know it, he was competing with Larry Boa for the shortstop job in 1985. And uh, he was a double-play partner with uh, Ryan Sandberg and a key contributor to Cubs titles in uh, 89. And uh, he became a free agent after the 91 season. And he did turn, I think, bigger bucks to sign elsewhere and remained with the Cubs without testing the open market. So he was non-traditional in his ways as, as far as contracts are concerned. Uh but it's funny, he did get hurt in 92 with a herniated disc, and the Cubs didn't even protect him to be eligible for the Major League expansion draft, but the Rockies Marlins didn't even take him. So at this point, he was kind of considered maybe damaged goods. So by the time the Mets got him in 1999, the Cardinals on July 31st, 99, which I think was the trade deadline that year, uh, the Cardinals traded Dunstan to the Mets for Craig Paquette. And he replaced Melvin Moore on the on the roster. He became a free agent after the season and signed with the Cardinals for the 2000 season. With the Mets, he uh, his numbers weren't really that fantastic. Uh, let me just go back here. 
Sorry, flipping through the notes here. And let me see. Juwan played in 42 games for the Mets in uh, 90, uh, 97, right? No, 97, 98. Pardon me. I can't even remember. It's all a bore. 1999 with 92 at-bats. Uh, so he didn't get that much playing time with the Mets. But he did bat 344 with the Mets. So when he did play, he did pretty well with the Mets. And he was always entertaining to watch for me. Now let's talk about Tommy Davis. Tommy Davis had quite a productive career with the, the Dodgers. Uh, Tommy debuted with the Dodgers in 1959. And uh, he had a pretty good rookie season, batting 276. And then in 1962, he really had his breakout year when the team moved to Dodger Stadium. And his 346 batting average edged out Frank Robinson for the National League batting crown. And he had 230 hits and 153 RBIs, which led the major leagues. Then in 62, he had 230 hits. And that was most by a player between 1937 and 1969. So he was in fuego, uh, really, really doing well. And while his RBIs of 153 were a franchise record, and it was the highest total reach between 1949 and 1998, he also had career best with 27 homers, 120 runs, and nine triples. As the Dodgers finished the regular season tied for first place with the Giants, but lost a three-game playoff. And despite those numbers, he finished third in the MVP balloting with team, teammate Maury Wills winning the award and Willie Mays finished second. So I think having Will as a teammate took away a lot of votes for him. And I still can't figure that out. I looked at numbers, and I know Maury Wills was a base-running demon or whatever, but what are you going to do? And in 63, he won his second batting title, edging Roberto Clemente by six points and finished eighth in the MVP balloting. And when the Dodgers swept the Yankees in the World Series in 63, Davis hit 400 in the series. So you could see he was no joke at the plate. And his back-to-back -back titles are the only two in Dodger history. And only two right-handed hitters have won multiple National League batting titles since. Bill Madlock with four and Roberto Clemente with four. And you got to remember that he played his games at home games at Dodger Stadium. And that was not a hitter-friendly ballpark. He did slump in 64 down to 275 with the batting average. But in 65... Uh, he did pretty well. Uh, he, I shouldn't say he did very well. He broke his, dislocated his ankle, sliding to second base while trying to break up a double play. And he was lost for the remainder of the season. Although he did pinch hit on the final day of the regular season. And three days later, Dodgers called up Larry Lou Johnson to replace him. They won the World Series that year, defeating the Twins in seven games. And uh, Davis did rebound in 66, hitting... 313, but only three homers and 27 RBIs and 313 at-bats. And unfortunately, the Dodgers were swept by the Orioles in the World Series. Davis only started two to four games and batted 250. And after the 66 World Series, Davis was traded to the Mets along with Daryl Griffith, Ron Hunt, and Jim Hickman. After batting 302 with 16 home runs and 73 RBIs in 67, he was traded again, this time to the White Sox. In a six-player deal with the Mets acquiring Tommy Agee and Al Weiss, Two men who would play major roles in the Miracle Mets winning the 69 World Series. 
So that was basically it for Tommy Davis and his Mets career. Uh, again, he had a really good baseball career, and uh, he did well for the Mets, and he helped them out when they needed some big-name ballplayers when the team was really bad. So he did serve his purpose with the Mets. And now let's talk a little about, about Carlos Carrasco. He will be remembered as going being the other player in the Francisco Lindor deal, although he's an all-star pitcher himself. We love him. And the Mets traded uh, Ahmad Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green for both Lindor and uh, Carrasco. I think that trade is going to go down as a great steal. I was a big fan of Ahmad Rosario, and I know Jimenez was a highly regarded shortstop, but we got so many great infielders who were prospects. And Mauricio, if anything, would be the shortstop to uh, fill in if anything should ever happen to Francisco Lindor right now. So there was no need to have those players if you can get Lindor in return. Unfortunately, last year in spring training, Carrasco tore his hamstring during a running drill and was expected to be out for six to eight weeks. As of late April, he was expected to join the Met rotation the second week of May. But then on May 6, Carrasco was placed on the 60-day injury list, and he continued to recover from the injury. He was activated by the Mets in late July, and I was kind of pumped up about that. I thought he could be the difference maker. And he made his first appearance with the team on July 30th. And he received a no decision in a start against the Reds. Now, the first pitch Carrasco threw for the Mets, <laughs> get this, was hit for a home run by Jonathan India. Hello, welcome back, Carlos. And Carrasco's first season with the Mets was described as discouraging and frustrating. He finished the year with a 6.04 ERA in 12 starts, and that's not like him. Now, after the season, Carrasco revealed that he had been pitching with a bone fragment in his elbow, which was repaired with surgery in October. So hopefully he's on the mend and he'll be able to help us out this year. Uh, we sure hope so. We could sure use Carlos Carrasco, a healthy Carlos Carrasco. Finally, let's talk about Bobby Wall, shall we? Yes, we shall. Now, on July 21st, 2018, the Mets traded Wall and Will Toffey to the Mets in exchange for Jaris Familia, who is now a Philly. Uh, the Mets promoted Wall to the major leagues on August 2nd. Wall went on the disabled list on August 17th due to a strained hamstring. Now, he pitched in seven games for the Mets, recording a 10.13 ERA in five and a third innings. So it wasn't that great a Met career for uh, Mr. Wall. And he was traded on January 5th, 2019, along with Adam Hill and Felix Valero for Keon Broxton. Uh, and unfortunately, in 2019, he tore the anterior cruciate ligament in his knee, and that ended his season. And uh, he was injured throughout his career, and he never really managed to do much else. He hooked up with the Dodgers. Uh, didn't not much happen there. Was reassigned to the minor leagues. So injuries played a big role in his uh, premature ending of his career, I guess you should, we would say. But once a Met, always a Met, and happy birthday, Bobby Wall. Now it's time for today's Met Trivia and Jeopardy. Who's ready? Today's trivia question. In Mets history, only four players have had a 333 or better batting average in the season, which they had at least 502 appearances. Who are the four Met players? And today's Mets final jeopardy. War number 34 is a Met in 1994. Second clue has been ranked number one on Forbes' best in-state wealth advisors in northern New Jersey 
in 2018 and 2019? Lock in your answers. We'll be back at the end of the podcast to tell you how you did. Now, let's talk about the greatest baseball group there is for the New York Mets on Facebook. New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member, please do join. Uh, We'd be glad to have you. We have great content on there every day. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please, please do subscribe. You'll be updated every time a new one is uploaded. And we will have a new one every day during this baseball season. I'm going to try and do them on the day on the day the game is completed. If not, it'll be earlier in the morning. Well, they'll be up there. You'll have one a day. Let's put it that way. You never know what's going on in my world. But please do subscribe and you'll be updated every time one is there. Now, on this date in 1965 in the group, we discussed an exhibition game where Gary Crawl and Gordy Richardson combined to keep Pittsburgh hitless for nine innings in the Mets 6-0 win in St. Petersburg. The first no-hitter thrown during the regular season in franchise history won't occur until 2012 when Johanna Santana accomplishes the feat against St. Louis. And on this date in 2013, David Wright is named the Mets captain. Now he joins John Franco, Keith Hernandez, and Gary Carter as the fourth player to be honored by the franchise. Like Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter and White Sox first baseman Paul Konerko, two other major leaguers to have the title with their club. At the time, David Wright was captain. The 30-year-old for third baseman will not wear a C on his uniform. As we mentioned earlier, on this day in 2011, the Mets got rid of a second highly paid player in less than a week, handing pitcher Oliver Perez his release a few days after doing the same to second baseman Louis Castillo. Perez is still owed $12 million on a three-year contract that turned out to be a colossal bust. He will be immediately picked up by the Nationals while the Mets continue to pay the bulk of his salary. And what else is going on in the group? We have all kind of good stuff going on there. As always, uh, Pat Ragazzo, again, from SI.com, my favorite Met writer, he posted a link to his article, why uh, Met players believe that DH will actually help Jacob DeGrom and the pitching staff stay healthy. Uh, we showed the post headline that Fred Wynn's fan lose as Madoff deal dooms Mets, and it sure did. That was 10 years ago. And we were cursed ever since the whole Madoff thing exploded. And uh, it was not fun. It was not fun being a Mets fan. And I hate to say this, but it's so much better with Uncle Steve, isn't it? But again, we have so many good things and topics that we talk about every day. So please do join the group. We'd be glad to have you. And we got Mike Freed. He's always on top of things, posting things too. So just join the group to hear from Mike Freed and what he's posting these days. You'll love it. Okay, now back to the final Met trivia and Jeopardy for today. Uh, let's see what we got again. Da-da-da-da. The Met trivia question was, in mid-history, only four hitters have had a season where they batted 333 or higher with a 502 plate, at least 502 plate appearances. Who are those four players? Well, the correct answers are Jose Reyes in 2011 did it, as well as John Allroot in 98, Cleon Jones in 69, and Lance Johnson. Kareem Haywood and Jason Lynch from the group scored the correct answers for us on that one, and... The Jeopardy clues were 
War number 34 is a Met in 1994 and has been ranked number one on Forbes Best In-State Wealth Advisors in North New Jersey in 2008 and 2019. Well, the correct answer is, who is Frank Seminara? And Jason Lynch was the first one to get that answer correct. So congrats to everyone who got the answers correct on a Facebook page. And if you got it on your own while listening to this podcast, congrats to you too. Well, that's going to conclude another podcast. The Mets are playing the Marlins today. Uh, I think it's a... I'm not even sure what time the game is today, to be honest with you. I'll see if I can listen to the game on Marlin Radio or not. If not, I'm just going to have to go by the reports on the game. But we will have a recap of the game regardless. So please do tune in tomorrow. It should be fun. Uh, it's so good talking Met baseball again. Again, appreciate all your support. And thanks for following both in the group and on the podcast. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Uh, Have a great week coming up, and uh, let's go Mets. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are real. Sucking the ball, knocking those home runs over the wall. East side, west side, everybody's coming down to meet the M-E-T-S Mets from New York town. Oh, the butcher and the baker and the people on the streets, where do they go? cheering and they're jumping in their seats. Where do they go? To meet the Mets! All the fans are true to the orange and blue. So hurry up and come on down. Cause we got ourselves a ball club. The Mets of New York Town. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. 